And hello, dear listener. We have returned for another adventure with the Dark Knight. And today we're going to be talking about Moon of the Wolf, which is episode 38 of Batman the Animated Series. And no, I'm lying. It's episode 43 of Batman the Animated Series, episode 38 of I Am the Knight. And with me is also the Knight. It's Mr. Adam Ray. Awoo. How's you? How are you doing? It's a pleasure to be back. If we have a little number of trouble, that's okay. There's a lot of great content and great episodes to be th- thankful for from this series. And we've got a memorable one, an offbeat one again, I'd say. Very offbeat. This one is like, again, um, starts out extremely supernatural. Very similar to the last episode, uh, Tiger Tiger. But... Um, Vintage horror character werewolf, but given a new Batman stroke super science Professor Milo twist. Um, very similar again to the previous episode because the Gotham City Zoo features a very key role in how this creature comes into being, as opposed to in the last episode, uh, the City Zoo being the place where Miss Selina Carl got snatched. But either way, um, zoos are dangerous places if you're a Gotham resident. Who knows? Well, it, it's great as well that you mentioned the episode where um, Selina Kyle was taken ill because that was the last place we also saw the evil Professor Milo as well. That same episode, Cat Scratch Fever. Ooh. So um, he had his horrible evil intentions with Selina and this time his victim is a brilliantly well-named athlete stroke millionaire, Anthony Romulus um, again what do you make yeah, of that one very well named because of a combination of the old world the classical world someone who is known for being in their amphitheatres and competing in like heroic Herculean games but also of course what the successful of the two twins who founded Rome who was raised by wolves according to myth and legend it's uh, quite satisfying to always have those ancient stories in the back of your mind to still be inspiring even to this day into Batman and the like and it's also served, served well in the stories of uh, Harry Potter because when you hear the name Remus Absolutely. Lupin, you know it's a werewolf. And when you hear Anthony Romulus, it's also a werewolf. No doubt. Absolutely whatsoever. Because Romulus and Remus, as you quite rightly said, son, are the benefits of a classical education, don't you know, dear, dear listener? Um, Romulus and Remus, the twins raised by wolves. <clears throat> of course they were. And the founders of Rome, hence Romulus. So, of course, when we meet Remus Lupin... We just knew, didn't we? We did. I remember reading that when I was very, very young and a lot of my friends were being like, wow, it was Wolf? Wolf? I didn't know. I just knew. Yes. You just know. It's surprising, actually, because when the episode starts and we first see the creature, as he steps from behind the bushes, his eyes glowed. So I thought, hmm, robot. And again, Professor Milo then thought, nope. Not robot, and then the transformation, which was very, very, very good, very American werewolf in London, wasn't it? Yeah, because for a biological transformation like that, there would be the twisting of muscles and the popping of bone. It's yes. not a pleasant thing to do, so it's good to see it in a grotesque way, but not in a not in the like visceral detail that you'd get in American werewolf in London. It's just like the shapes changing and the colors changing, which is as close to a middle ground as you're ever really going to get yes. and that's a way to keep it still approachable for a younger viewer it's also particularly interesting because we see this creature and you as a viewer was very were very skeptical about the glowing eyes ooh robot 
Batman, when he first starts to tangle with this werewolf, yes. like right away, he thinks, all right, nice costume, and yeah. starts to try and get him in the headlock to probably attempt to pull the wolf mask yeah. head off. I was fully invested that there may be a werewolf in Gotham. I was fully invested in the idea that this was a real wolf of some kind, so I was pleasantly rewarded. If any city in America is going to have a werewolf, and because of the brilliantly ambiguous ending at the end of this episode, mm. it's going to be Gotham City. It's going to be Gotham. a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. But I do love as well that, yes, this is pure fantasy. It's escapism. It's entertainment. But they also try and ground it with some kind of pseudoscience and this brilliant steroid, which is undetectable, but it does have essences of Timberwolf estrogen. Yes. <laughs> this muscle-bound Olympic uh, pentathlon is, is fueled by the essence of Lady Wolf. Yes. But then again, then again, essence of Lady Wolf sounds very powerful. It's also probably either a Native American name or a flavor of Old Spice. <laughs> so, if that's what you need to gain oh. power, a woo indeed, howling to the moon. Oh wow! Oh, splash it all over. Yes, um, but I, I do like the fact that they try and put some kind of oh. of science into it, no matter how. Um, unrealistic it might be but just to take away from the mysticism and the magic of it but like you quite rightly said that transformation was very very dark very horrific but that's something this series does lend itself to really really well and Len Wayne um, legendary comics writer famed for horror as well as superheroics and Dick Sebast here um, brilliant direction with everything we can we can count on Len Wayne to do pulp gothic horror particularly well because as you rightly pointed out on the title card was the original creator of the Swamp Thing and the Swamp Thing has tangled in his run and in Alan Moore's run with many a werewolf in his time oh yes absolutely so it's not something we don't expect to see outside of his wheelhouse but again it's also nice to see that this is a scientific monster much like the Swamp Thing Mm -hmm. and the werewolves he encountered so it's great that you can get a vision of um, gothic horror and ancient folklore brought into the now and justified in a scientific-esque yeah diet science sort of way and that just shows that the myths like these are so incredibly resilient and when you pair it against something like batman a figure of the night a figure of fear it's feels very natural it feels very fitting they work together on the on the screen as antagonizing forces because batman is as close to what we've got now to a modern day folkloric tale oh so, absolutely well so said. so when you put characters like that together they'll always sort of work even if you lighten the mood with werewolves by having been voiced by steve buscemi or acting against adam sandler's dracula in hotel transylvania <laughs> I will hear no hate for those movies. I love those movies. No, great fun. Absolutely great fun. But it, yeah, no, no, you were saying. But still, it's great to see that those old classic characters can still be done well as figures of fear, as creatures that go bump in the night. And they really did that well in this episode with the classic gothic tropes in the direction as well. Classic character brought slap bang up today. Exactly. Well said. But also. In terms of a perfect foil for Batman, a, a Batman and a 
wolf man mm. and if you think of classic silhouettes that can instill fear mm. the only other one i think that can compare to that of a bat would be that wolf howling against mm. the moon mm. um so in another parallel world maybe bob kane and bill finger created the wolf man as their creature of the night they're prowling vigilante so as you say superb piece of juxtaposition of a creature of the night that is one against a creature of the night that isn't but I love what you said mate oh yeah the fact that Batman is so pragmatic and logical and ordered in his thinking mm. that that's just the guy in a mask yeah I love that yeah because that's just the way Batman would think he trained in so many different martial prowesses in deductive thinking in escapism escapology rather the he tries his best to think to a logical yeah. way out of things because we have to have to remember this is a very fresh, very young Batman yes. compared to what we know in the current continuity of comics. He's not seen super science at its absolute worst because we've not encountered Bane yet in the mm-hmm. season and he's not seen magic at its best because he's only had fleeting glimpses with Zatara and Zatara in his past and he's not seen your figures like your Russell Ghouls. Mm-hmm. So he's allowed to stay very sceptical and very direct with his thinking because he doesn't have that wider knowledge of super science and magic existing. So he stays that pragmatic. And that's probably the still essence of the character. And even when it gets to a point where he does have that knowledge of extreme science and extreme magic, he still applies that pragmatic way to think his way out of all of those situations because... That's the most reliable way he has. And if he armed himself with those kinds of techniques, he'd go off the beaten path. Yeah, absolutely right. But instead, he uses his brain as well as his brawns, um, battles the wolf on two occasions. The first time, obviously, completely out of surprise and saying, pick on someone your own size, fuzzy. But I do like the whole thing of him calling him shaggy and trying to bring him down that way, not realising that this creature actually is more beast than man which is the true tragedy of poor old uh, Anthony Romulus isn't it? Very much so because I think that's a very common thing in the werewolf stories it's just someone trying their best to reconcile the transformations that they're going on going on with trying to handle the best of it I'm trying to remember the exact lines from one of the greater werewolf legends I know uh I'm going to be honest I'm thinking of Africa by Toto because that's because a lot of people think that song's about a werewolf they like remember the the, the big the beginning part of the verse but it's the end part of the frightened of this thing I have become yeah I can hear the rest of the song so clearly but that's the whole deal yeah because it's like your Jekyll and Hyde sort of story as well you have the two different forces within yourself sort mm-hmm. of at odds so it means that you're rational thought and the primal animal savagery are conflicting which is what leads to a lot of the good werewolf stories about people just sort of overcoming things that they don't like about themselves absolutely absolutely but do you think that Professor Milo was full of it from the start he knew exactly what he was doing and that whole thing about oh partial lycanthropy can't be cured but if we get you to become a full lycanthrope there is a cure for that he was manipulating that poor man from day one wasn't he absolutely yeah he knew exactly what because if it was so simple for him to be able to give him full lycanthropy which can be reversed he would have done that in the beginning Yes, he would have done that just to be able to give him the pep up he needed to go through his games and give him the antidote. He wanted someone 
pliable and easy to bend to his wills, which is what he got until it bit him back. Yes, indeed. And I do like it when we get an episode of Batman, the animated series, where we get returning um, characters and returning actors. Obviously, we've seen Treat with him before as Professor Milo, and he's even more sinister in this episode. But um, Anthony Hopkins himself is played by, again, um, screen legend Harry Hamlin, who was the casino owner in uh, Joker's Wild, which we reviewed a couple of weeks back. And he's back again as Anthony Romulus, sounding completely different, but still one of those great voices in animation and one of those great faces on the screen. Great voice actors, um, uh, I'm familiar with a few, they have to make sure that their uh, sounds are broad, that they make sure that they have multiple distinct characters just by changing the twang or the tone or their yes. pitch or their bass of their voices. So it's good to see that an absolute master of the craft has been able to appear multiple times and is still very unrecognisable between the two different characters, but it's still giving the same sort of driving force that we yes. needed one of the characters of the episode of the week but yeah he did it perfectly here really good really really good so as our, our guest stars um are people we've talked about before it's a good time to mention the writer and director of this episode both of whom did a stellar job and it was lovely seeing um director dick sebast actually lend his own name, name to, the, to the sebast construction company yeah the secret layer of the sebast construction company uh building that gets sort of torn up by the werewolf more than slightly yeah but it's a nice little tribute and i think um it might have been a nod from the art team perhaps just showing them some respect i think it's a little bit on the nose and a little bit narcissistic to put your own name on the buildings but it's a nice touch anyway maybe len wayne himself decided that with along with the art team say let's give our director a little nod that's that's probably the nicest story that's the nicest version i like that and as for nods, well, Len Wayne, you already said co-creator of something, but again, um, he also created some pretty exceptional characters for DC's marvellous competition. Co-creator of Storm, wow. Colossus, wow. Nightcrawler, and Wolverine. Wow, the father of the original X-Men. Well, no, the original, uh, the, sorry, the new X-Men. Oh, the new X-Men. The, the original X-Men. team was yes. like the Cyclops and Eugene yes. Graves. And yeah, the, yeah. And... The one, but, but they were never that popular. Their series got cancelled. It's Len Wayne and Dave Cochran's um, new X-Men that first appeared in Giant Size X-Men number one that changed the fate of those characters forever and has made them to this day one of the biggest selling teams in comics. And so much so that he was dead for a lot longer than most people would imagine, but Mr. Logan is back. Yep, nobody says dead in comics. Well, apart from Jarella, but we digress. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, um, a brilliant writer, brilliant director, cracking classic nemesis, Batman at his fighting best, and still some lovely little cracks and uh, pieces of nostalgia and character between both Batman and Jim Gordon and Batman and Alfred. In this we get yeah some lovely interactions between him and the uh, the rational pillars of thought in Batman's <laughs> life, I would say, both of them in two very different ways. You get Jim Gordon as the practical font of knowledge and um, ways around trying to get the legal proceedings. He's able to get the information he needs about the missing wolves and... Honestly, I remember what the Honest trailers said about Batman's uh, relationship with Jim Gordon. He's Batman's just trying his best to torment an elderly police officer. 
<laughs> because every because well, uh, after the dude after the narrator dude on the honest trailer says that yeah they have a perfect supercar of all of the times that Batman just swoops in out of the shadows and Jim goes oh, you scared me you really need to stop doing that stop it no Batman <gasps> and then him just turning around and leaving which I honestly really wish Gary Oldman had said what he, um, he's, uh, Jim Gordon said in Long Halloween. That's funny. He usually says a polite goodbye. <laughs> Absolutely. But in this episode, did you not notice he actually prolonged poor Jim's torture? Because Jim just did not want to turn around. He was right in his desk. He was waiting. Hmm. Batman did the whole discovery of the werewolf fur in his gloves and kept him talking. And still Jim turned around. Yep. And the and window was open. was gone. gone. <laughs> it was so brilliantly done. We, He's can, actually teasing him Yeah, Because it, it got to a point where Batman was sliding the window open yep. and we were expecting him to have just left so yes. quickly. He carries on talking. Yeah. But it would have been more, been slightly more impressive if we saw him open the window. Then Jim turns around and he's gone and the window's closed. Yeah, that would have been really spooky. Yeah, but then you contrast that with his conversation with Alfred in the Batcave, where Alfred's oh, just there so tinkering under the hood of the Batmobile. And it's quite interesting to see under the hood of the Batmobile, because yes. that's things like 30-cylinder... Yeah, monster. ...cavalry power... Yeah. Uh, ...monster, but still perfectly silent to be stealthy on the night, on the yeah. night streets. Um, yeah, I think... Alfred's very varied uh, past and unique set, very particular set of skills. Ooh, Liam Neeson would make a decent Alfred, but we can't have him now because he's been razzled. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, Alfred is exactly the person you want to trust, and Alfred's the only one who could get the, the, the Snikies. Oh, you're welcome, as he drives away into the distance. That's so good. But the fact you also get Alfred talking with a screwdriver in his mouth, <laughs> and the wonderful line where, where Batman says that it really is Timberwolf fur, and Alfred comes out with, oh, searching for new pet, Master Bruce. Well, if he wants a particularly <laughs> feral and exotic ace, the oh, Bat Hound, that's up to him. Oh, fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. So, a fun episode, a different episode, and again, one where we see a slightly darker side both to Gotham City and Batman's nemesis. We already know that Hugo Strange is a dark scientist but Professor Milo again I didn't realise he had more than one appearance in this show so it was really lovely seeing him again because he's grossly underused in the comics I think. I'll admit he's not someone I'd actually really heard of much until re-watching the series and he's someone that I've grown to quite like thanks to the series mm. he's very skilled he knows mm. his chemistry oh, yeah. to masterful degree and he's very sinister and he's outwardly openly sinister so that makes for an interesting and compelling watchable villain for me at least yeah I'm glad to see him no apologies he doesn't care he gets what he wants and he doesn't care who he uses to to achieve his own achieve those ends so takeaways goods bads uglies um furries of this episode oh that's a that's a loaded word i'm gonna scoot past that um i actually had two i used it mm, i had two big moments that i thought was particularly nice and particularly interesting um they were both the one was a vision of a character being true to himself and consistent and one was a very surprising take on a character um Right at the beginning of the episode, we saw that zoo, the zoo night watchman uh, being uh, attacked by the werewolf, what have you. And sure enough, the werewolf takes him and throws him into that river. Mm. And it's 
a consistent yes. we've seen of Batman since the beginning that he will always that. choose yeah. to save an innocent yes. as opposed to taking down a villain. Uh, that's a lovely bit of consistency. But the wonderful bit of growth we've seen was from the flickers we saw of Harley Bullock. Because mm-hmm. when we started this series uh, 30, 40 episodes ago, he was very stringent oh, yeah. and meat-headed oh, and did yeah. not trust Batman any which way whatsoever. But now we see him looking up at the top of that building him Batman fighting with a werewolf and he calls off the guys yes. with the guns multiple times to let Batman handle it he says yeah. no let him handle this one so he's grown to trust possibly yeah. but yeah. like he's opened up to the idea of Batman yeah. being not a nefarious force and that's a lovely bit of growth we've never seen this character brilliant you you took the words right and those are the things the exact same hmm. character beats that I was going to mention as favourites and standouts because like you quite rightly say Batman and people criticise him for it but again I have to defend him because that's a victim of the there and the now he knows that if he doesn't save that guy that guy's dead hmm. and by letting the werewolf go oh, well, but how many other victims could the werewolf get yeah but those are possible so that's something Batman can still combat against that guy is indefinite definite. So I will always defend that stance from Batman because that, that's for real. And like you said, Harvey, what a change. Mm. When we started this show, he was hell-bent on beating Batman at his own game and capturing him. Mm. And now we're actually seeing him, well, this guy saved my bacon. He's saved this city countless times. Let's give him a chance to take this werewolf down. No, stand down, don't fire. Brilliant. Couldn't have put it better myself, son. Absolutely fantastic. Sorry to have plucked those out no. of you. Out of your mind there? No, absolutely brilliant. It shows that those were beats so strong that we both felt them equally and both saw them stand out to us both. Superb. Well, that's it then. That was episode 43. We're approaching episode 50 very, very soon. How exciting. Of Batman the Animated Series. Um, It's been a joy talking about Moon of the Wolf with you, son. But if people do want to talk to you about other things, where can they find you? Well, to talk to me, I think the best port of call would be to follow me on Twitter at IzzetTinkerer, I-Z-Z-E-T, Tinkerer. You can find me there rambling on about uh, PC gaming, tabletop gaming, and of course talking further about some of the writing I do for Dark Knight News. I review many of their monthly titles, mostly Catwoman, Batman of the Future. Great titles at the present. They're doing wonderful jobs, despite how strange the future looks for yes. printed comics. But still, as long as we get them in some form or other, I will be happy. Uh, you can also find my writing about my true love, PC gaming, tabletop gaming, on our pride and joy, fantasticuniverses.com. You can follow my YouTube exploits playing Dungeons and Dragons on Ooh, new ones too. Very new ones too. Some following some Dungeons and Dragons exploits on No Ordinary Heroes, or you can find me badly playing PC games with the university friends <laughs> on the hostile atmosphere. And yourself, sir. It's good fun. Check those shows out. You'll really like them if you're into any kind of gamings. Uh, myself, mostly written work across a variety of websites. The easiest way to get onto all of those is just to type Steve J Rainter Engine of Choice or Fantastic Universes if you want something a little bit different, not just superheroics or DC or Batman. Of course, we record this lovely show, I Am The Night, which is part of one of many on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. We've got the original DC Comics News Podcast talking news um, across DC's movies, TV, streaming, comics, games, action figures, you name it. 
the spinner rack where the five top books of the week are discussed. See if you agree with our scores. Harley Quinn cast Mad Love where every week I can try and join in sometimes but obviously life gets in the way talking about that crazy show Harley Quinn as well. All of these can be found on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Dark Knight News, DC Comics News you can catch across the internet, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr and YouTube. That's us. This has been the I Am The Night podcast with me, Steve Ray, Adam Ray. He is the night. Together we are the night. And Adam, what do people out there really need to do? Read more comics. And watch more Batman. Thank you for listening. Oh.